<clears throat> Chair, staff is ready when you are. Great. And welcome to the June 16th, 2022 Active Transportation Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Commissioner Brazil? Brazil? I'm sorry. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Buenrostro? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Carpenter is absent. Commissioner Granville? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Harris? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Heim? Is absent. Commissioner Hopp? Present. Thank you. Commissioner Ward-Waller? is absent. Vice Chair Pollins is absent. Vice Chair Dewar Westbrook. I'm present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, this meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you've joined the meeting and wish to speak, uh, use the raise your hand feature to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click on the raise hand on the bottom of your screen. Uh, in the mobile app, you can raise, sorry, if you're joining via the mobile app, uh, you can raise your hand by tapping raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in via telephone, to raise your hand, dial star nine, and to unmute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have three minutes to speak once you're called on, and we'll now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan Wintu peoples and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous peoples, histories, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You can now be seated. Okay, 
Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers with their hands raised for this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I see a hand from Chair Hopped. Or sorry, from uh, Commissioner Hopped. <laughs> I would move approval. Great. Okay. Um, there's a motion. Is there a second? I'll second it. Wonderful. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Heim, and welcome to the meeting. Okay, so I have a motion from um, Commissioner Hopp and a second from Commissioner Heim. Will the clerk please call the roll for vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Commissioner Brazel? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Buenrostro? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Carpenter? Is absent. Commissioner Granville? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Harris? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Heim? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Hopp? Aye. Thank you. Vice Chair Pollins? Is absent. Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. Wonderful. Thank you. Sorry, I'm trying to juggle multiple screens right now. <laughs> You'd think I'd know how to do this by now. Okay, uh, we'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item three is, uh, is the introduction of active transportation commissioner. Is there a staff presentation? Good evening, Chair and Commissioners. Jennifer Darwin White, I'm the Transportation Planning Manager and staff to your commission. Um, I hope you're all doing well. I wanted to let you know that um, Council Member Lalohi has made a new appointment um, to the Active Transportation Commission. So Commissioner Smith is no longer with us, and now we have Commissioner Harris with us. And so I think it's a great opportunity. Commissioner Harris, welcome. And we'd like you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so very much, Commissioner. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I just want to make sure you can hear me clearly. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so um, I have been in District 2 since uh, as a resident since January of 2020. Um, really happy to be here. Um, I am passionate about improving some of the um, you know, pedestrian and bicycle access to our light rail and, and throughout our district. Um, I have 15 years of background um, as an environmental planner, um, graduate of UC Davis and of UC Santa Barbara in environmental um, science. And um, I have 10 years of experience as a project manager with a focus in water resources. Um, uh, have been working for the federal government for 13 years that is making a a transition into private sector in part so I can be part of these sort of outreach opportunities and uh, participate um, with local politics more directly. So very happy to be here um, and be part of this. If there's any questions, I'm happy to answer them about my experience. Um, not familiar with the introductions of what's typically covered.
Wonderful. Well, I think um, Jennifer is assisting another commissioner get onto the Zoom call. So um, <laughs> but I really appreciate looking forward uh, to working with you. Great. Um, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers with their hands raised for this item. Thank you. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Okay, I see a hand from Commissioner Buenrostro. I, I just want to extend uh, welcome to Commissioner Harris. Uh, very excited to have you on the commission. Um, it's it's always good to get new perspectives, and we we look forward to collaborating all together um, as a commission during the fo following meeting. So welcome. Wonderful, and a hand from Commissioner Heim. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well. Appreciate, um, yeah, that you're joining the commission and, and being interested in, in active transportation in the city. I definitely agree with um, the need to do more around, you know, first last mile connections to transit. So hoping we can work together on that moving forward. Um, Jennifer, I'm not sure if there's anything else you wanted to add. Chair, no, I just wanted to do a warm welcome to Commissioner Harris and introduce her to all of you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, so this item is receiving files, so no vote is required. We'll move on to the next item. Uh, the next item is item four, commission staff report. Is there a staff presentation? Chair and commissioners, Jennifer Donald-White and transportation planning manager here to give you an oral staff report. Um, uh, since we have a new commissioner, I'll, I'll recap what we do as part of this effort. I give an update on items that have been before the commission um, and how they are processing if they moved along to council or if you're doing community engagement, just so folks are aware of where we are with different things or things that are coming up. Um, so I have four items to update you on. The first is the active transportation program grants. We came to you a couple of months ago um, and, and asked for your support in applying for a number of grants. We had listed four grants. Um, we have since changed our strategy. We applied for two to the state program um, yesterday. And, um, and then we'll be doing another one to the regional round through SACOG, likely coming this summer. We opted to not apply for the sustainable transportation uh, plan, I think we're calling it, um, because we realized it wouldn't be a very competitive process and it takes a lot of financial and staff resources to apply. Um, so we're looking for other resources to fund that um, internally. Uh, anyway, so those went in. We're pretty excited for those. Uh, along, along the lines of grants, the IIJA, or the Biden Infrastructure Bill, uh, Safe Route, Safe Streets for All, opportunity, funding opportunity is out there, uh, call for projects. So we are looking at applying to, you have one project that you can submit. So we're evaluating um, our Vision Zero corridors. We have, of course, our top five, which are Marysville, El Camino, Broadway, Stockton, Lower Stockton, and Florin Road. Florin is actually already funded. As uh, for their competitiveness, we're in the process of bringing on consultants. We will come before you in August, which is our next meeting, because we don't have a July meeting. So we'll come before you in August with our recommendations. The applications are due in September. 
continuing with the realm of grants, the uh, HSIP or Highway Safety Improvement Program, uh, which is not just for highways, don't believe the name, uh, that call for projects is out and we are currently reviewing uh, our data. So it's a safety-based grant opportunity that is very data-driven uh, based on number of crashes and the severity of crashes. So we've hired a consultant to help us. Uh, as you know, we are facing some staffing challenges. So we hired a consultant to help us to look at the data, to analyze where are the hotspots, what are, will make us the most competitive. Uh, and we're reviewing that now. That is due later this, um, I believe it's also due in September, and we will bring that before you in August as well uh, for your input. Um, and last but not least, we have the commission log. One thing I wanted to note, uh, this is not an item for discussion. I just wanted to update you and make you aware. We might agendize it for her next month. We have Commissioner Smith had three agenda items, three items on the log, um, and they included semi-annual update on Vision Zero, uh, traffic corridors in the action plan, semi-annual update on the bicycle and pedestrian master plan projects, and report to council on the status of walking and biking. Because Commissioner Smith is no longer part of the commission, what we're looking to have an understanding is that there's another commissioner who wants to sponsor those items. Uh, we don't, we've already voted on the log for this evening, so no big deal. Uh, I just want to make you aware uh, that if there is no interest in those continuing, if we don't have another sponsor, we probably wouldn't move it forward. Um, so think about it. Please come prepared next month uh, if, you, if you seek to sponsor those. And with that, that is my staff report. I'm more than happy to take any questions or comments. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for that update, Jennifer. Um, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers with their hands raised for this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Before Andrew. we go to commissioners, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, can yeah. I um, just interject? Alexis, mm -hmm. it looks like Commissioner Carpenter is stuck in attendee mode. Uh, can you move her over to the other side of Zoom? Hi, Jennifer. Um, I did try to move her over. For some reason, it will not allow for me to promote her. However, if she chooses to raise her hand and wants to speak, um, I can absolutely give her those permissions. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Wonderful. <clears throat> okay. I see a hand from uh, Commissioner Harris. Yes, Jennifer, I'd be absolutely interested in um, hearing this update as a new um, a new participant in this commission. So um, I'd love to know more about what it takes to sponsor um, that, those reports and uh, get interim progress reports. And don't know if this is an appropriate forum or if I should take that offline with you. Commissioner Harris, great question. It's brand new and already jumping in. I love it. Um, so there, we don't really have a formal process on it. Um, it's just that we'd like to have a sponsor so that we don't continue things on the log that don't have interest to the commission. Um, so you've indicated your interest in those. So please look at the log in the agenda. Confirm those are what you'd like to see. And then with the next log, the next commission meeting, when we vote on it, um, maybe you can make a motion to make yourself a sponsor. And then we'll we'll make that happen as long as the as long as the commission supports that. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Wonderful. Okay, is there any additional questions from commissioners? All right, I'm not seeing any. Um, Jennifer, I guess I did have one question. So for the um, 
for the projects that you're looking into for, for um, possible funding through IJA, you said you're going to bring that forward to us in August. Is that right? Or, that is sorry. correct. Okay, at our next meeting. Um, is there any additional community engagement that's going to be done around that um, prior to coming to the commission or maybe after coming to us? Um, I, I don't think we're planning on that. We did significant engagement with the Vision Zero work. Um, and now we're just looking to funding uh, for what's the most opportune um, and aligning the appropriate, which project will be the most competitive for mm -hmm. the funding source. Um, and so I think that'll be a big thing that'll determine that um, the outcome of that. I mean, you'll probably be the main body other than city council that evaluates how we move through that. Okay, that's super helpful. Um, thank you. I guess the, the question, the other question I have is, you know, um, you mentioned that you're doing, um, you're working with a consultant right now to review um, locations across the city, high injury networks across the city. Do you um, foresee those top five corridors changing at all in your, in your review that you're doing now? Or are you still seeing those locations being hotspots for collisions? I better understand your question, Chair. Um, oh, no. So we are only considering some of the top five corridors as contenders for the Safe Streets for All grant. Um, we've, we've, we're looking at the, the implementations. There are two pots of money in the Safe Streets for All. There is a pot of funding to update your Vision Zero, to do a Vision Zero Action Plan, or there's money for implementation. So it's two pots within there. We already have our Vision Zero Action Plan. Uh, and so what we're looking at is to implementation. And so in order to have that implementation, in order to be ready for that, we need to have at least preliminary concepts of what we'll do. And what we have preliminary concepts for is only those top five, because we took those on right away, all at once, all together. Um, and so of those five, what should be the most competitive? Um, and that's what we'll be evaluating. And then also collecting the data to see what's necessary for that grant application, whether it be El Camino or Marysville or Stockton, Obviously, we've already funded Florin, and that's in its um, design phase, and that has money for construction. And then the um, Broadway um, between MLK and Stockton, uh, we have funded that part of that improvement, and that is in design. Um, and so that one is moving forward. And so that, the, the two pieces on Stockton are the other possible options. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. So I guess if in your, your next in the work that you're doing now with the consultants, if you do find that there's more locations, you might need to pursue those projects in future funding of the Safe Streets for All and not necessarily what you, what, what's already been identified. Yeah, so there's the separate effort for the Highway Safety Improvement Program grants that we're looking mm -hmm. at hotspots of crashes and severity, mm -hmm. severity crashes citywide. Um, but that, um, that's only for that, that particular grant opportunity known as HSET. What we hope to do is update the Vision Zero Action Plan and do that analysis. We're, we're waiting on doing that for a couple of reasons. Workload, we just don't mm -hmm. have capacity to do another planning effort. But also you may know that there's legislation that is out there which identifies a high injury network. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it calls on Caltrans to identify a high injury network. So we don't want to update our Vision Zero Action Plan until we know what the definition of a high injury network is so that any plan that we have is consistent with state guidance on that so that we'd be eligible for any state funding that were out there. Um, and so, well, one, we're not quite ready to update the action plan, but then two, we want to make sure that when we do update it, it is consistent with state standards. 
wonderful. I really appreciate you going further. It, it, I know there's a lot of like, yeah, things where I think the, the public might think, you know, it's like one area, but there's looks like you guys are pursuing a variety of different funding sources and really trying to, to make it work. So I appreciate um, all the work that you're, you and your team is doing right now. Um, I, I do see a hand from Commissioner Harris. I'm so excited to be here. So thanks for, for listening to my questions. Um, so I'm curious if these grant opportunities, um, how they deal with uh, previous funding and whether um, areas of funding are, or areas of underinvestment, shall we say, um, are places that are explicitly um, flagged for future investment or if your process uh, weighs that as one of the criteria and, and specifically what I'm getting at is, you know, when we look at ways we've matched past funds, sometimes we get into a funding um, loop where areas that have been past funded, you know, for safety improvements then become areas that we can show matching funds um, for future projects. Uh, and so places that have been funded get more funding um, and places that don't get funding, it's hard to sort of, you know, get over that hump. So I'm just curious for this new funding, I, you know, I know environmental justice is a huge area of concern for this administration. And, and is that explicitly something that um, is in the granting, you know, funding, or is that something you're looking at as, as we move forward through this grant process? I hope that was a clear question. It was, absolutely, Commissioner Harris. So we, we could do a funding 101 seminar right now, but I'm going to keep it very <laughs> So of the three funding programs I just described is the active transportation program, they give priority and set aside a certain amount of percentage of the funding available for disadvantaged communities. And they use that term, disadvantaged communities. I don't have it off the top of my head, but in order to be competitive, you absolutely need to be in a, dis a disadvantaged community in order to, to win funding. And we consider that uh, when we apply. The next one is the Safe Streets for All. Again, that one is a new funding program from the federal government, um, but it does prioritize investment in under-resourced and disadvantaged communities. Um, then there is the Highway Safety Improvement Program, which is not just for highways. Um, that one does not. That one is pure database, data-driven, not database, data-driven uh, processes to make that happen. Um, and so for some of them, they do. Um, previous funding is not necessarily a component of any of these, but what is a component is, have you already invested in this corridor? Is it continuing? So for example, as part of the active transportation program that we applied for for this year, we applied for two projects that we've been investing in already. The first one is Envision Broadway at Oak Park, which is a work that we've been doing with the Oak Park community since about 2017. We did the planning work and this will bring it into preliminary engineering. Uh, so continuing that work that we've been doing with the community. The other one that we applied for is the Franklin Boulevard Complete Streets. We have funding for phases one and two, and this will bring it down just a little bit further south. So continuing those improvements along that corridor, both the Worcester and under-resourced uh, communities. And then last but not least, I will be coming before you and you'll get your primer on what's called the Transportation Priorities Plan. And that's how the city decides, well, it'll be a process. We're going through a planning process to determine how the city invests in transportation. One of the big components of that is equitable investment, investing in the communities that you're underinvested in. And so I do plan to bring that before uh, the commission in August. So you'll get a, an overview of that, of that effort. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Well, uh, this item is for review and to provide comment, but there is no vote required. Uh, if I don't have any additional hands, we can move on to the next item. Okay, seeing none. 
the next item is item five, Parklet and Alfresco Dining Program update. Is there a staff presentation? Uh, yes, there is. Wonderful, take it away. Good evening, Chair Westbrook and members of the Active, Active Transportation Committee. I'd also like to take a moment to welcome Commissioner Harris uh, to the Active Transportation Committee. My name is Matt Ironman. I am the Parking Services Manager for the City of Sacramento. And I'm, I'm accompanied this evening by Stacy Hovermill, who's leading the project management team to help formalize a new outdoor dining program for the city. Because of our lengthy history with the Parklet program and the development of their guidelines, the Parking Division has been tasked to formalize the Alfresco program. On August 4th, 2021, Stacy and I presented before the Sacramento Disabilities Advisory Commission, and on September 16, 2001, we presented before this commission. We are here today to update the commission of our progress and the evolution of outdoor dining. Prior to us presenting our recommendations to City Council, thank you for allowing Stacy and I to provide you with an update this evening on this important program. I think you'll be pleased with our progress. Stacy has a brief presentation to share with you uh, to update you on the evolution of the outdoor dining program in Sacramento. All right, good evening, everyone. Sorry, just trying to get set up. Can you guys see my screen all right? Perfect. Um, good evening, Chair, Commissioners. Thank you again uh, for allowing us to come and speak to you today. I have a brief presentation I'm gonna share. It's really a high-level overview of the Alfresco Dining Program, um, what we've been working on and where we are today. Um, and we'll be available, Matt and I both, for questions afterwards. So I will get right into it. So the, move that out of the way, sorry. So the program goal for the Alfresco Dining Program is very simple. We wanna make it easy for restaurant owners to build safe, durable, beautiful outdoor dining spaces that contribute to our city's thriving dining scene and foster pedestrian friendly streets. A little bit of history for you guys. Um, in March, 2014, the city established a pilot parklet program, which allowed the use of parking spaces to be transitioned into public spaces. Uh, in April of 2020, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the city allowed for uh, temporary outdoor dining within the sidewalk and parking spaces. And this was the first time that that had been allowed. In June of 2021, the city worked to extend both the pilot parklet program and the temporary allowance of outdoor dining through June of 2022 to allow staff time to develop the new Alfresco dining program. From July through October of 2021, we engaged with hundreds of internal and external stakeholders to solicit feedback and help develop the program. In October of 2021, we partnered with HDR, which is a local engineering and architecture firm. And we worked together to um, design six civil design layouts for outdoor patio spaces with the purpose of outdoor dining. Two structural designs for canopies and uh, walls. An electrical concept, if anybody wants to have lighting out on their patio 
they um, worked with contractors to come up with a construction cost estimate. And we worked together on branding materials, marketing, and a customer-facing interactive website, which will be brand new for this program. December of 21 through June of 22, we continued ongoing stakeholder engagement with restaurants, eBids, and as Matt mentioned, we met with the Disability Advisory Commission and this commission. Um, and then on June 21st, we're taking our final designs uh, to City Council for adoption of the new Alfresco Dining Program. The program benefits for restaurants, more seats on the streets is greater capacity and reach and their dining experience will be on display for everyone passing by. For customers, thoughtfully designed and well-built outdoor structures are gonna enhance the dining experience. And for our community, Permitted outdoor dining structures make for safer and more pedestrian-friendly streets. And the key word there is permitted outdoor dining structures. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned before, we worked with HDR to come up with five pre-designed civil layouts for outdoor dining spaces. And the reason behind this is we wanted to make it as easy as possible for businesses to be able to participate in this program. This way, they don't have to hire an engineer to come up with these plans. These are plans that have been vetted through the city, internal staff and external stakeholders. And so I'm gonna share each of the layouts with you um, right now. So the first one is a raised street design, which is essentially a outdoor dining patio within the parking space. And the parking space is elevated. And this is to make sure that we have ADA compliance and accessibility for everybody to be able to use that space. So this is one of the sample layouts. We have a rendering and then this is the um, civil design concept. Next, um, this is a two part location is for corners. One of the um, things that we noticed right off the bat was that a lot of these businesses are on corners and we wanna make sure that we're um, being aware of traffic visibility, pedestrian visibility at intersections. And so this layout right here shows a parking space patio, and it shows a setback that allows for increased visibility at the intersection for vehicles and for pedestrians. And the second part of the corner street design is the bulb out. And so we really wanna encourage, especially for new developers that are, or new development that are looking to incorporate outdoor dining as part of their project to um, go with this option, which provides increased safety for the pedestrian um, and definitely more visibility. The next layout is a mixed street design. And so this is a combination of the parking space and the parkway. And the parkway is really that area between the sidewalk and the curb. And so this shows the, the use of both of those spaces, maintaining a six foot minimum pedestrian walkway and maintaining ADA compliance throughout the outdoor private patio. This one right here is our walkway design in the street. And so this is for locations that are not able to do any of the above, uh, above layouts. And so what this does is it provides a safe and ADA compliant path of travel around the parklet and this particular or around the patio this particular layout provides additional 
um, pedestrian safety with the use of bollards and um, wheel stops. And then we have a sidewalk cafe and parkway. This is similar to above one of the above slides where it's the combination of the parkway space and sidewalk. And so depending on the location, all of these restaurants are, everyone is different. And so we're trying to come up with designs that work for the majority of the businesses. And so this one right here is allowing for a patio to be built within that parkway area and a portion of the sidewalk, still maintaining minimum sidewalk clearances for pedestrians. And then the last option that we have available for businesses is tables and chairs. And really what this is, it's a permit that would allow a business with the adequate space in the sidewalk to be able to provide two tables and chairs for their business at a lower cost than having to construct an entire patio. And this still would require that they'd have to maintain minimum pedestrian clearances and ADA path of travel. In addition to the layouts, um, HDR and city staff work to develop a brand new web page. And so it's an interactive web page where we'll have all the information on permitting, checklists, layouts with cost estimates and examples that people can browse through and help develop their patio. We'll also have frequently asked questions on there and contact information. This is just a little snippet from the website that shows that uh, an applicant can go in and select a layout and they'll be able to see the different types of patios available. They can even choose their construction materials and their layout dimensions to come up with an actual construction cost estimate. Um, this slide right here is really an update. When we sent over the staff report to the commission, we included a transition schedule for the existing outdoor dining and how we we're gonna transition that into the new program. We did make a couple modifications to that schedule, so we wanted to share the updated version with you tonight. Um, really, the only thing that changed um, is that we are allowing an additional 30 days for permitted and non-permitted outdoor dining locations to submit their initial interest form. Um, and you'll see on the top row, the temporary alfresco dining street closures. Right now we only have one left in the city and that's located on the 1400 block of R Street. Um, we've actually met with the restaurant owner and we we're working with them to have that street closure opened up within the first month of the program adoption. So this is gonna allow the rest of the patios and permit holders two months to submit an initial interest to the city an additional month to submit an application for alfresco dining. And then we've given ourselves some time to do city review and permit issuance and construction. So that's this transition schedule. And then the next steps. So we are working right now to finalize the webpage development and we're planning to go to city council next week on June 21st for the establishment of the program. On July 1 will be the official launch of the program and the program start date. We'll launch our website um, on the city's webpage and we are working in the background right now to create a 
alfresco grant program with the federal American recovery plan money that's been set aside for outdoor dining. So we're hoping to come back to council in the coming months with a formalized grant program to be able to support small businesses in the construction efforts of these patios. So that concludes the presentation. Matt and I are here if anybody has any questions or comments. Wonderful. And thank you so much, Stacey, for your presentation. Um, Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speakers with their hands raised for this item. Great. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I see two hands. Uh, first from Commissioner Harris. Thank you. Um, so my first question is regarding ownership of these improvements are, um, and especially as it relates to potential disposal um, and quality maintenance. Um, you know, it looks from your presentation, it sounds like it would be the business itself providing um, the application, um, but these are physical improvements. So can you speak to um, whether these improvements are tied to the business or the owner, if those are um, different? Yes, uh, Commissioner Harris. Um, so the patio operator would be the owner of the, uh, the patio. And they would be responsible for the maintenance and upkeep of the patio as well. It, this would be licensed under a revocable permit. So if there was any disputes or any um, changes to the, to the actual uh, authorized patio, uh, the city could actually revoke the permit at, at any time. We are working with the, um, the business improvement districts to uh, formulate a partnership with them to see if there's a opportunity to create a partnership to help manage this outdoor dining program. So that way the city could have more eyes on the ground, especially uh, in, in the different neighborhoods. And they would help us to um, regulate um, any of the complaints that are coming through. So the ownership ownership is, is the owner of, of pretty much the business. They will need support from the owner of the building. So if they are tenant of the building and do have a lease, and they would have to, to get support from the surrounding businesses um, to, to be sure that everybody understands that that portion of the public right-of-way is going to be used for um, outdoor dining. I, I appreciate that. So to be clear, it's tied to the business, not the building owner. Okay. Um, That's correct. So are there going to be limits on the number of these sort of businesses? I'm imagining an entire sidewalk turning al fresco and not having any, uh, any sidewalk left, especially with the fourth option. Um, concerns me as somebody who's walked through some unpleasant wet gutters um, in this city. There, there's going to be a process. Um, the city has, has done a really great job to um, take most of the burden off of the, the patio operators to ensure that um, we get a quality product, right? So not everybody's just going to go out there and just start building, take a hammer and nails and start building. So we've 
uh, in your packet today, you'll see the very detailed um, design, civil design drawings that are required. Like if, you know, everybody's gonna have something different in front of their shop, right? There could be a fire hydrant, there could be some uh, irrigation, there could be, uh, you know, parking that is adjacent. So there's, there's definitely gonna be a, a quality control check by the city. And there is going to be a limit of how much space is taken up. Uh, we will always maintain um, pedestrian access and ADA compliant um, to make sure that, that um, mobility is, is, is first and foremost, right? Someone's not gonna take up the whole, the whole um, sidewalk and use it as their patio and require people to walk in the street. What you see today is, is, a, is a product of, of COVID. And we've, we've, we're asked to formalize the program uh, in order to make sure that um, equity is, is built in to make sure that everybody has equal access to the, to the city's right of way. So I think what you see before you is really a, a compromise of what you see out on the street today and what you'll see in the future. I appreciate that. And I just want to say, I think this is an outstanding concept. And I just want to make sure that we're always thinking of our pedestrians and our bicyclists first. Um, you know, part of the reason we're doing this program is because I absolutely agree, having mass El Frasco dining is a much more pleasurable experience for the pedestrian. But as long as, you know, we're not um, giving up our pedestrian access and turning those into patios, they can push back into the street. I, uh, I'll turn my, my uh, microphone over to the rest of the commissioners. Great, thank you, Commissioner Harris. Uh, next, Commissioner Granville. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Matt and Stacy, for that great presentation. I'm very excited about this. I think um, as a person who lives in Midtown, um, I've really appreciated seeing kind of Sacramento turn into Europe uh, and how much people have really enjoyed that. Um, so I did have a couple of questions. In your conversations with businesses, um, what were the kind of biggest challenges they have uh, talked about with, you know, if they don't have Alfresco or don't have a parklet, what are their challenges for like getting them outside of funding? I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm glad that you guys are looking into the funding streams, but um, is it technical assistance? Is it, uh, you know, the application process? Is it the permitting? Um, and then I was curious if uh, it's also going to be a requirement that um, they get a letter of support and a petition of support from folks around, um, if that's going to still be a part of this process as well. Um, and the last question uh, is about the ABC permitting. I imagine that's still going to be part of it as well, but if you could elaborate on just also shout out to your improved process. I was looking at the uh, permitting process from before, and this is much improved based on what I'm seeing. So congrats on that. I think if that was a barrier expressed by uh, businesses, I'm excited to see that uh, response from your team. So I'll stop, but thank you. Yeah. Commissioner uh, Granville, yes, absolutely. Um, in our travels, we've, we've talked with hundreds of people and we've, we've asked uh, a lot of questions. And what you have to realize is that this turned in from a parklet program to an emergency response to a outdoor dining program, right? Because when Stacy and I walked the streets and we talked with the owners of the businesses, they said, 
I call the city and I get no response. So I don't know how uh, to get outdoor dining. And so we took that um, with us and we created these interactive websites that they could just point and click. And as they're clicking, it's filling out an application in the background so they don't need to, you know, um, try to figure out and navigate all of the city's processes. And I can tell you that Stacy and I worked intern with internal staff. And if we had, you know, the tug of wars internally, I could only imagine um, the restaurant on the corner trying to um, just get some outdoor seating um, and the troubles that they had. So we took on a lot of the burden in order so that the, the average mom and pop restaurant could absolutely um, enjoy outdoor seating and not have that, uh, the process be the barrier. You know, cost was a barrier um, as well. And um, the first parklet, we have one parklet out at 1801 L Street uh, today. It was, it was permitted in 2014. And that parklet, which is a beautiful parklet, um, costs about $100,000 um, to build. And that is way too much. That's, uh, and, and the operating business, which leads into your final question about ABC, um, is, is really another barrier because when we first came out with the parklet program in most cities, they deemed these to be public space rather than private use space. So you couldn't really serve anything in, in these spaces. And so what we're creating today is, is really an extension of the restaurant, which brings, um, gives that European feel where, you know, you're walking through and everybody is, you know, enjoying themselves. And it's not all, um, you know, cooped up in, inside the restaurant. We're not allowing this to be like the party place where everybody's going to go out and have a band out there and, and disrupt the neighborhood. This is really just an extension of, of, of the business. And if it's done right and professionally, uh, we could all bear the fruit of, of, of this work. And when you look at um, the support factor, yes, we will be looking for support, uh, letters of support from the owners. If there's the P bid um, that they're associated with, we wanna make sure, we wanna be transparent in the process. We don't want one of these to show up uh, and not everybody have a least knowledge of, of that. And so there will be a posting of 10 days to ensure that everybody has the opportunity to at least give feedback uh, to whatever the proposal is. So um, I, I think we've, we've covered, Stacy and I, I tell you, we, we really um, tried to make this comprehensive program so that way everybody can have access to this program and enjoy the program. Great, uh, thank you. Um, next, I have a hand from Commissioner Hines. Hi, this sounds great. I think my question my question was going to go along the lines of the P bids, but you guys covered that. My only other question is, how is the communication about this to the areas that don't have P bids? Um, have you talked to some of those businesses um, that could benefit from that from this? Um, how is your communication? going out to those communities that don't have P-bids? 
Yes, thanks, Commissioner Hine. Um, that's a great question, and it's it's one that um, you know will be an evolution over time. And so, although you know there's a lot of focus on the central city, which has a lot of outdoor dining and a lot of restaurants, we realize that this is a city program, right? This is not just you know uh, central city focused, and all of the central city has has uh, representatives from different PBIDs or different organizations. But what we plan to do um, after this is, and if you see in the transition schedule, uh, we are going to outreach um, the different Metro chambers and the different um, community uh, organizations for ones that are not within the PBID areas. So uh, this will get a lot of press and we will be encouraging people to um, to reach out to us if, if this is something that they want to. And the good news is that, you know, although we have a transition schedule, that transition schedule that you see is really uh, based on the temporary El Fresco programs that you see in the central city. So most of those are covered. So if somebody comes in on July 1st from, you know, a, a different community that doesn't have that same representation and said, hey, I've seen this on the news. One moment. The, the good news is um, we would accept them right away and they wouldn't have to go through the same, the same transition process. They would, they would apply for the, the permit right away. So the transition schedule is really, is really focusing on the temporary alfresco that you see out there today, the, the tents, the, the picnic benches, the, the jog sidewalks that you know lead you into the street that are uh, by barricades. All of those we're going to transition into these professional, professionally done outdoor seating arrangements. But new ones coming in will follow a much much different process. Wonderful. Uh, thanks so much, Matt, for your explanation and and for each of the commissioners for providing uh, comments. Um, I did have a couple questions myself. Um, the first around the pedestrian space specifically, I know you had mentioned um, obviously that folks that are building these new parklets are going to have to maintain ADA access and, and six feet of width on the sidewalks. But is, is your team or any other team within the city actively going to be going out and ensuring um, that these spaces are maintained for people walking and biking, or will that responsibility be left uh, to the residents of the city to report? Thank you, uh, Chair Westbrook. My, the whole general concept is that we're gonna try and partner with the PBIDs uh, directly to help um, with the enforcement actions of whatever it might be, right, from, you know, scope creep, which I call scope creep, right? It, it starts out as this big and it ends up, you know, ask for two tables and there's, you know, 15 and they're blocking the sidewalks, right? Because I think they, they're right down um, with them and, and it's very accessible for them. But um, we do plan to bring back to council at a later time, a cost recovery mechanism um, that these these businesses would would need to pay in order to actually obtain staff to actually administer the program and to manage the program. So we're not looking to 
you know, make this a revenue source, but we are looking to make it a cost neutral endeavor for the city of Sacramento. And so what we will do in the future, uh, probably in the next couple of months is bring a recommendation back to council to understand how many, how many businesses are taking us up on this offer. And then we can bring uh, uh, a good program back to council to say, this is what we gonna, we're gonna need as a division to support this program. And these are the, um, the classifications of employees that we're gonna need. And then we will work with code enforcement. Um, and as I mentioned before, this is gonna be permitted under a revocable encroachment permit, which could then be revoked at any time if we're not getting uh, the right response from the business. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, so it seems like you, you guys are at least you're already starting to think about, you know, the types of enforcement that that might be needed. Um, and I, I think that's important. I, I know for a lot of us that, um, you know, are live near or, or visit these areas frequently. It's like, yes, I love them. I enjoy being out there and being able to, to dine outdoors. But I have noticed um, some of them have been creeping onto the, the sidewalk space a little bit more than I think you all originally intended. Um, I do have some more questions, but I saw Commissioner Carpenter's hand, so I'm happy to, to pass the mic over to you and then I can follow up with my additional questions. Oh, thank you so much, um, Chair Dorwitzberg. Um, and thank you uh, for the presentation. I'm really excited about this, um, you know, this program and I think it's a great uh, step that the city's taking. I was taking a, a look at the, the layouts that were part of the uh, agenda packet, and I was just wondering if you can talk a little bit through the, um, like the protection that you're providing to uh, the occupants of um, you know, the, the seating area. I know um, that's come up in some past discussions, um, and I'm wondering, I noticed some wheel blocks and then there's like some structural wall section. So I'm just curious, um, I guess, both from the perspective of you know, a pedestrian or cyclist, um, but then those sitting, sitting um, in the, the dining area too. Thank you, Commissioner Carpenter. Um, you know, I'm not the technical expert when it comes to, you know, building and engineering. But what I can tell you is that Stacy and I have taken this to many, many professionals, uh, including our own traffic, um, you know, engineer, who basically worked with HDR, our engineering consultant, to um, put in the right amount of crash barrier and safety mechanisms in order to protect the people that are sitting out in the uh, the parking lane. Um, some of them do uh, require wheel stops um, in, in order to make sure that there, if there's a, an adjacent parking space that is right next to the, the actual um, um, structure, uh, there's different types of materials that are going to be used like wood and steel. And then um, some can use planners um, so it's really, it's really when it, when it focuses in on the final design on what level of, of crash barrier uh, and the city will make sure that, that they, they're satisfied with, with, with that level as, as well. So uh, I don't have, you know, the, the magic, you know, answer on, 
every design that we have, and I think every design is going to have a, a different level of, of, of barrier. But I know that uh, engineers and, and architects have been working on this for the last year to make it a safe program. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a little, um, I fully support the, the I guess, what appears to be like limited amount of crash barrier. I think if, if we were able to get that built into statewide standards, that would really um, allow for greater implementation of programs like this. So if there is any information available on how to, how to sort of like justify, you know, just a wheel block um, as sufficient protection from those, you know, expert, expert engineers, I think I would be especially curious just to see how it's justified with the intent of like potentially using it um, in other places where there's more resistance. So perhaps if, if you can follow <laughs> up and, and if there is any like additional documentation on how that level of crash, cush, you know, the barrier is sufficient, I would love to see that. If not, no big deal. Yeah, thanks so much for the presentation. I'm, I'm excited for this program. You're welcome. And we'll work with HDR to, uh, to explain that for us. Wonderful. Uh, thanks for that question, Commissioner Carpenter, and, and for following up with your consultants, Matt. Um, another question that I had was in regards to uh, bicycle parking um, and whether or not business owners will be required to um, like relocate their bike racks if by chance it's affected by the parklet that they're trying to um, build. So if you could, yeah, maybe share what the requirements are on ensuring that bicycle parking is, is still provided for customers. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and it's you know it's it's definitely something that needs to be considered because there's a limited amount of, of bicycle parking out there. So uh, bike parking is 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 important, just like um, any other mode of transportation. So we would require um, at least replacing that. It doesn't need to be in that exact spot. And we do realize that some of these, um, you know patios will be in, you know, in the place of, of bike parking. So we're hoping that they can incorporate it into the actual patio. And if, if not, then um, they would, they would need to be relocated and the city would work with them on that. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah, I hope that it would be strongly encouraged. Um, almost go to the point of required that they keep the parking in some way if, if you guys can do that. I think it's really important. We already, you know, have um, limited bike parking as it is. So I'd hate to see us lose any additional. Um, I see Stacey. Stacey. Yeah, I just was going to chime in on that really quick. We actually had a meeting with our transportation staff and we, the staff report that we presented with the layouts, we did make some modifications to it. So it's actually written in the specifications now that all bike parking must be replaced at a one-to-one -one, minimum of one-to-one -one ratio at the cost of the applicant. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Okay. I'm glad to see it's included. Okay, my last question, and I promise I'll move on, <laughs> was curious if there is going to be um, any signage placed on the parklet itself to let residents know that it's been approved um, by the city. Um, and the reason I ask is, I, you know, some people might decide to put up their own kind of parklets that don't go through this rigorous process that you all have developed. So curious, 
um, how folks will know that you know a parklet has been approved and reviewed by you all. Yeah, that's a that's a really good recommendation and one that I think we should take back as a um, as a requirement because um, it is it is very difficult for people to know which ones are are permitted and which ones might not be and maybe we could um, have a requirement that they stamp the permit number on the on the on the parklet or the uh, patio. So, uh, so that way we're all on the same page that which ones are, are permitted. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Or, you know, even utilizing a QR code um, within with, um, with that notification. So if people want to get more information about the project, you have, you know, this nice new website that you've developed. So, yeah, I think I think that would be really useful. And then it would also help, you know, us as residents know if we're experiencing issues is this one that's you know already been reviewed and maybe they've veered from what was approved or if it's yeah something else i think that would be helpful uh, thank you um i have can I, can I jump in real fast i just want to say how much i think that is a fabulous <laughs> idea i love the idea of putting a, a a visible number for everyone because it also then you know keeps you know, managers waiters may not know and may move a table out and not recognize and let's just let's just set them up for success i think that's fabulous so I, I love QR for bringing people, but I think a, a like, you know, you have internal occupancy. Let's just put a number on yeah. how many seats are allowed. Perfect. Yeah, thank you, Commissioner Harris. All right, so it seems like you have um, some support from all of us. Overall, we are, we are really pleased to see the direction um, this program is going. So appreciate you all coming forward and, and talking with us this evening. Well, thank you for your time and uh, really good feedback. Um, this is a great warm-up to council next week, and we're we're really excited about this program. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Of course. All right, everyone. Uh, so this item is receive and file, so no vote is required. We'll move on to the next item. The next item is commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Oh, wonderful. I see a hand from Commissioner Brazel. Um, I think if this is the right time to bring up things not on the agenda, then I guess um, I, I would wanted to ask Jennifer if I could get a, another update on the South Sacramento Parkway Trail West um, that I know that there was some issue about the I-5 work being done on it was in the way, but as far as I could see, that's been pretty much cleared. And um, so, yeah, it, and the uh, website, you know, the, the city's website still has listed the summer of 2021 as a construction date for it. So do, do you have anything more on that? Commissioner Brazel, I don't, but what I can do is get in touch with the project manager and have them contact you directly. Great. That would be great. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Commissioner Carpenter. I just have one question. Um, I had a bit of an, an exchange through um, a 311 request that I put on related to um, a, a, what, what appears to be like a red light camera. Um, at an intersection um, and got a response back from um, the law enforcement, I think it was the city, like the police 
the police department or even the sheriff. Um, and I'm curious if, I know we have an item on our log about um, red light cameras. So I'm wondering, I guess if you can, if you can estimate when that might come to the commission, um, because I do have a lot of questions on the camera program. Um, and if you do have time to sort of explain the difference in the roles and responsibilities between, you know, the, the Department of Transportation and then the law enforcement arm of the city. Commissioner Carpenter, we have that penciled in as a, an item for the September agenda. August is looking pretty packed with the grants and the transportation priorities plan, all of which are very time sensitive. Um, so I've asked our transportation, uh, our traffic operations center who managed that program um, to come in September. So that's our plan right now. If you have specific questions that you, you're looking to have addressed, uh, if you can email me directly so I can make sure that our staff know so that as they prepare their staff report and their presentation, that they're um, getting that information that you're looking for. That would be great. Please send Wonderful. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Awesome. See if we have any additional questions. Um, I did have one for you, Jennifer. I saw a comment um, that was sent in by a community member kind of speaking to um, the rising gas prices, which I'm sure we're all aware of, and questions around whether the city is going to be um, supporting or working with uh, SACRT around reduced fares for transit um, or any communication around that. So kind of curious um, if there's been any conversations within the city on how, you know, we can promote and encourage folks to, to use active transportation um, during this challenging time that we're all going through. Um, Chair Duo Westbrook, you a timely question because next week on the city council agenda is an item to have $1 million go to continue the ride free program for youth as part of regional transit. So that's something that the city has been funding for the last couple of years to support youth and transit access. That was the, the brainchild of council member Shamir. Um, and so we continue to invest in that program. And so that is going before council next week. Uh, so that is an ongoing thing that we have to support transit. At this time, there are no other programs that I'm aware of um, to, to incentivize transit. Um, and then as you know, through our programs, uh, we do have a program around active transportation, but at this point, it's just myself and Leslie. So we don't have any other opportunity to do some programming around encouraging active transportation. However, there are a number of TDM or TMA organizations, Transportation Management Associations within the city, uh, such as JIBE, which is in North Potomac, uh, Sacramento TMA, which is in the core of the city, the main business is there. Uh, it is something that um, is their primary role to do. And perhaps should the commission want to agendize an invitation from any of our Transportation Management Associations to talk about the work that they're doing, uh, I'm more than happy to make those connections and see if I have any info. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm personally very familiar with them, but I do think it could be educational um, if, if folks aren't as plugged into the work of the TMAs. I'm wondering um, if there may be an opportunity for um, the city newsletter to put out a piece kind of pointing people to all these existing resources. Um, I know for, for you know, other initiatives going on, like recently they've been pushing out stuff around the compost um, and reducing water usage in your garden. Um, 
I found those to be really informative and they're usually, you know, five, 10 minutes long, um, a quick read. Um, so curious um, if you wouldn't mind maybe reaching out to the staff that writes that and pointing them to some of the resources <laughs> that you just shared with us. I think it, I think it could be beneficial. Sure, do a Westbrook. That is actually the staff of the programs that write them. So that would be oh, oh I, to write I don't want to give you any more work. However, we have some staff starting soon and it's not okay. than having new staff take on something like that. It helps them learn. Yeah. Um, it helps get the word out. So when our new staff come on board, I'm more than happy to see if, you know, we, we don't control the content, but to see yeah. if our public information office is interested in something like that. We did do some videos for May is Pike yeah. Month. Yeah. I don't know if you all saw our silly videos, um, but we're happy to continue them. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think it does make an impact. And yeah, I loved videos for May's Bike Month and for how to properly ride your scooter and stuff like that. So just um, continue to be supportive of, of more outreach and communication to, to residents. So thank you. Um, I see a hand from Commissioner Brazel. Uh, yeah, on the subject of Cal or uh, RT, um, I, I was wonder wondering if tying in with our work with subcommittee in the uh, charging stations for the scooters. If it, uh, we, I actually had back when our subcommittee was active, we were having conversation with some of RT um, and how they had charging stations there. Um, and we thought because it was RT's property, they wouldn't have to wait for the city to change the zoning for the the um, screens or advertising in the public right away. Is that correct, Jennifer? Could you give me more insight on that? Sure, Brazel. So to recap for everybody, a couple months ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, um, the committee, the commission formed a subcommittee to develop a letter of recommendation to city council. You developed that letter, you voted to send it off, you wrote it, and then I sent it off to city council and it is part of that letter that look that requested council to support or investigate um, charging stations. So charging stations for shared mobility scooters and shared bicycles, um, as well as consider a revision to city of Sacramento code that limits um, advertising in the right of way um, because advertising would help support the charging stations in the right of way. Um, so we sent that letter off to, to city council. We had no response. And so generally that indicates that they don't have interest in that issue if, if they don't respond or if they haven't reached out to you individually. Um, so we don't have action to move on that unless council asks us to. Do you know if um, property that's owned by RT is still confined by the city ordinances or if they're free to have a little more leniency or because they do advertising like on buses and bus stops and everything else, or how does that work? Oh, those are things beyond my knowledge as a transportation planner. That's more of a legal question. Okay. Um, and I think that would probably be a question for regional transit, not so much for the city of Sacramento. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Commissioner Brazel, I'd be happy to connect you with some folks um, at SACRT that deal specifically with their marketing, if, if you'd like. Um, so yeah, they might be able to help. <laughs> sure, that would, I would be interested and okay. would love to see that. I think you know the first and last mile is very important to get mm -hmm. more people onto 
light rail or yeah, the light rail especially, but all yeah. public transit. So. Of course, yeah, I'll, I'll make that introduction. Thank you. Okay, I see a hand from Commissioner Hawk. Yes, Chair, I just wanted to add to that, uh, Jennifer. Um, there, there has been some interest by uh, particularly Council Member Valenzuela and the Law and Legislation Committee had directed staff to work on an ordinance that would provide an exemption for um, advertising in the right of way. It was originally um, motivated by a desire to use advertising to support uh, automobile recharging stations, um, but there is some interest, particularly by Council Member Valenzuela to extend that to uh, bicycle and scooter charging stations. I don't know what the status is of staff drafting that ordinance, but I think uh, there is there is some council interest in pursuing this concept. Thank you, Commissioner Hopp. I was not made aware of that. I'll check it on. That would be held in the city attorney's office, most likely. Uh, I'll see what I can find out and report back as part of my staff report next week if it's something minor. If it's something bigger, we'll agendize it. Wonderful. Thanks so much for that, Jennifer. Okay. Only 7.13, we moved quickly today. Uh, the uh, last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments, matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have one speaker with her hand raised. The first name is Jermia. Hi there, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to, I had two points I wanted to raise um, about some content from last meeting, actually. Uh, Chairperson Dewar, I really, really liked your idea. Well, I really agreed with your comments about the parking going right up to the edge of the curb and the danger that poses to bicyclists. And I uh, agreed with your idea of coming up with some sort of institutional process whereby or, or the suggestion that we should come up with a process whereby neighbors and residents and people who live here could kind of request the reevaluation of those kinds of issues i've been using 311 and it's been great they've been extremely responsive but there has been an issue that i'd like to raise with this commission which is the type of data that's used to make um decisions about traffic abatement i live at 25th and d which i consider to be a very um kind of like residential neighborhood in Midtown, but it, the traffic goes really quick and we have a lot of accidents. Um, but not all those accidents are reported to the police department for a bunch of reasons, uh, but you can still see evidence of them, let alone hear the evidence. And as many of you who ride bicycles know, anytime you hear or see a car accident nearby, it kind of reduces your confidence that you're safe when you're in your own neighborhood. And so I was just wondering if the commission could consider a way whereby uh, residents could submit kind of evidence of vehicle collisions that doesn't re don't rely on either insurance or the police. Um, I just, I don't think it's fair to ask the police to come to every non-injury accident and they agree they won't do it. But the traffic engineer I spoke to said that that was the only way that traffic abatement could be considered um, because I mentioned collisions. So that's all my comments. Thanks for your time. Thank you for your comment, Chair. I have no more speakers with their hands raised. Okay, thank you. And I appreciate the caller for, for calling in and addressing this issue. I think 
you know, we've all kind of been directed to, to utilize 311 um, for issues, but I think there's, yeah, definitely improvements that need to, to be made and, and figure out ways so we can get more people to actually um, utilize that tool so we can have a better record um, of these issues. So we, yeah, we'll continue to, to think about that as a committee or commission, apologies. Um, with that, that, this concludes today's agenda. Thank you everyone for your participation uh, this evening and the meeting is adjourned.